0: Hello there, welcome to the show. I realize that it's been a long time since I've done another episode. Part of that is because I did my uh, internal medicine sub-I, and that sort of took up a lot of my time and concentration. I've also been reading a lot of books and attempting to finish them, to write episodes about them. And while I was writing the outline for this book I'm going to be talking about today, I realized that I haven't done a book report in a really long time. And that could be why I was hesitant to write everything up. Now, normally I don't write scripts. I didn't really write a script for this episode, but I did write up some important points. The book that I'm going to be discussing today is called Otherland. It's a series by Tad Williams. He is the author of the Dragonbone Chair and the Shadow March series. So I've read his other two series. Um, his Dragonbone Chair came out first, the Otherland series came out in the middle, and then the Shadow March series came out after. I need to reread both the Dragonbone Chair series and the Shadow March series just to see how I feel about them now that I'm older. But this Otherland series is a different type of genre compared to those two. So the reason why I skipped this one when I was younger was mainly because it's sci fi and it's not fantasy. I generally focus more on high fantasy when I read, and this Otherland book is very much not high fantasy, it's very sci-fi, it takes place in the future. So I found it at a used bookstore and I decided to read it and see how it goes. I've read the first one, I haven't read the other three, but I'm definitely gonna try to read the entire series if I can get around to it. Now this isn't gonna be a comprehensive discussion of everything in this book kind of just going to talk about it a little bit talk about what I like what I didn't like and sort of a little bit of the beginning of the plot I think the most interesting thing about this book is how prophetic it is in some ways now obviously a lot of this is taking liberties and jumping you know hundreds of years in the future and the potential that we could get to in a bad way but while I was reading it I was surprised by how much he got right But there are several things that he got wrong, which is kind of interesting to think about with the technology that we have now. Now, the first book was written in 19, or was published in 1996, and the last book was published in 2001. So he must have had a pretty good plan before he started publishing them or had worked through them already, because that's a pretty fast time span to produce four novels that are all at least 700 pages long. So the story starts out with several different characters living all over the world. This is somewhat of a dystopian future. Um, There's obvious issues with resource management and things like that. I'm not really going to get into that that much. That could be some critique on global warming and all that nonsense, but I'm not going to talk about that. The main character is a woman from South Africa. Her name is Renee. Um, She's a professor at a university and she teaches computer science. That's pretty much the most common thing or the most normal thing in this book and then everything else from there is wild. So the biggest thing that sets this world apart from ours is the way that you get online. Now in 1996, people can correct me if I'm wrong, people that have more experience with 1996 than I do. I was only two years old in 1996, but the internet was not really a thing in 1996 and if it was, it was very rudimentary. It wasn't like what we have now. But in this book, it's much more similar to what we have now, except that when you get online, you basically put on a VR headset and you're transported to a location to continue your internet browsing. And you have to make an avatar depending on what type of internet browsing you're doing. So you can be walking around shopping or you could use sort of more common screens where you're just tapping through text to buy what you want. So there's different options. But there's also differing levels of technology. So someone who doesn't have that much money might just have a VR headset and then they might wear gloves that will give them some sort of sensation if they touch something when they're online. But more advanced or more rich people can have these Uh, really extensive rooms where they're connected by all these bungee cords and wires so that they can get sensations of falling and and moving around. And then even more expensive and even more extensive is people get neural implants that jack into their brain and that gives them the actual sensation of eating or drinking. It doesn't actually feed them, but for all intents and purposes their brain thinks that they're eating food or drinking so there's all these different levels of technology so as you can imagine that if you had something that was that realistic or that extensive that people would spend their entire lives on the internet now the story really gets going when the main character renee her little brother he's like 10 years old He breaks into some area of the internet that he's not supposed to be in. And it's sort of set up like it's a physical place, like you'd have to go to this illegal place and break into it. But obviously, since it's not a physical place, you're not actually going anywhere. But there are segments, it's like you go to a website, say you go to llbean.com to buy yourself some new duck boots or whatever they sell. You know, you're know, you not actually transported to that, but if you're in the VR world, it sort of makes it seem or feel that way. So he breaks into this area and she has to go in and rescue him and she brings him out and then things start happening and her little brother ends up going into a coma and they can't find anything wrong with him and his sister Renee who's i think in her mid 20s begins to look for a cause because she thinks that it's related to his breaking into this certain area online and that's kind of where the story starts going there's a bunch of other characters that are living all over the world um, my favorite character is i think he's like a 14 year old kid named Orlando and he's actually dying of some weird disease i don't think it's a real disease they mentioned what it was called and i do not think it is real but It's funny because there's a chapter where you meet where you're introduced to him and it starts off like any typical fantasy novel about this barbarian named Thargor who's going to this inn and it turns out that this is this little boy, Orlando, playing his fantasy, you know, RPG game, and it it seems so real, and the way that he describes it, you know, Tad Williams is a fantasy writer, it's you almost feel like, wait a second, is this is this real or is this just in the VR world? and something happens and this little boy his character dies and the reason why his character dies is because he sees something that he doesn't think he was supposed to he he sort of breaks through an aspect of the of the world of the game and he sees a image of something and It's like nothing he's ever seen before, and then his character dies, and this is a character that he's had for three years, and he's the most renowned barbarian in this game. It's sort of like World of Warcraft or some sort of MMO, but it's funny how he talks about how he spent years getting to this position, and everyone who plays the game knows of Thargor the Barbarian. It's it's really funny. And then there's all those other characters that sort of you can tell have this sort of it has a shadowy government espionage type feel. Large corporations are really kind of running everything kind of like today. But it's a pretty cool premise for a book and really advanced for the time that it was written. I mean, 1996, the Internet was brand new and Tad Williams really had a lot of foresight into what things could potentially be like in the future and i think he nailed some really big aspects i think one of the strongest portions of this book is the world building it really feels like it could be taking place in the future or it could really be a real world before each chapter, there are these little news blurbs that you read, and for example, we have one here that's like newsfeed, six powers sign Antarctic pack, and then a visual of metal wreckage scattered across an ice floe. The twisted wreckage of the fighter jets will remain as a mute reminder of the short-lived but disastrous Antarctic conflict representative of the six powers whose disagreements over mineral rights began the conflict. They met in Zurich to sign a treaty reestablishing Antarctica as an international territory, La lot a lot, a lot. And so each chapter starts out with a little news blurb that sort of fleshes out the world to make you really feel like these events are going on all over the place. And Tad Williams does a really good job of making it feel like it's a real place where it could potentially happen in the future. What I really like about this book is how prophetic it is in a way. I was recently reading an article that a pediatrician gave me about smartphone use in children or screen time use in children and how increased screen time they think is correlated with increased in depression and suicide attempts. And just talking to parents when I was on my pediatrics rotation, a lot of these kids are getting way, way more screen time than they need to be. I think this article recommends under two hours, which to me seems like a lot. I mean, not saying I don't get two hours of screen time every day, but for a child, two hours seems like a lot. Now, we're not at the point in time where we hook ourselves in via neural implants and jack into the internet and we feel like we're actually there. But I don't think Tad Williams, when he was writing this, envisioned the smartphone. I mean... In 1996, you had cell phones, you might have had those Palm Pilot things, but those were, I don't even know, if those, no, I know those couldn't connect to the internet, because Wi-Fi wasn't even a thing in 1996. And if you did connect to the internet, it was through a landline, it wasn't high-speed internet, so it would take forever, and it wasn't something that you could do super easily. Interestingly, I Natalie and I are watching through The Office, and we're on season six, which is like the mid-2000s, and I... I thought of this because Jim at one point is in the break room and on his break and he's reading a magazine and even at that time the smartphone was not common. So nowadays he would be sitting there on his phone on the in the break room. I mean, that's what everyone does. But in this even even back in 2000 and I don't even know, I should look it up. Okay, real quick. I went and looked it up. Season six came out in 2010. So even in 2010, like smartphones were around, but they weren't nearly as pervasive as they are nowadays. I mean, now everyone has a smartphone. You see people everywhere on smartphones. People in Africa have smartphones. People in the most remote places in the world have smartphones, it seems like. So I don't think Tad Williams was envisioning a world where we were constantly being jacked into the internet at all times, where we could look at whatever we wanted or we could spend all this time. And he doesn't really get into the social media aspect of it because social media was not a thing. And I don't think that's something that he had the foresight to sort of grasp. I think he went to where a nerd who writes fantasy would go with like fantasy games and, and things like that, where you know you have these people who've built their entire Characters over the course of years and even that was something that wasn't super common I mean obviously you had tabletop RPGs where you would do that and in 1996 you probably had some Like I don't think Baldur's Gate had probably come out yet some of the big D&D CRPGs that were really influential hadn't really come out but there were other ones I'm sure that had that What's the um... Now I'm blanking on the names of these There were definitely RPGs on the computer that were based off of fantasy role-playing games or tabletop role-playing games, but nothing to the extent of what we've seen now. But he didn't sort of go into the aspect of social media and constantly being connected and constantly, you know, showing everyone else what you're doing. But in this case, it's not that you're showing people what you're doing. It's that you're actually doing things in this, this internet world. Now I say all of this and that's really a minor part of the story like the the online component obviously is the crux of the story and in their sort of journey to discover what's going on is utilizing the uh, internet but there's other things going on around it all and I don't necessarily think it's any sort of commentary I gu- I mean I guess it could be but my dumb brain doesn't always grasp these poetic and meaningful Analogies that some authors write Especially if they're not You know I don't know what he believes As a person so it's harder for me to see What he's kind of what perspective He's coming from but for 1996 I mean he had a lot of really Interesting thoughts that kind of have Panned out and I wouldn't be surprised If by 2080 We'd be able to jack into the matrix And pretend like we're Living in a fantasy world I mean we kind of already do that anyway some of the things I didn't like about the book, uh, dream sequences. If I ever write a book, I'm not having any dream sequences in it. This book has a aspect of African culture in it because most of it takes place in uh, South Africa, and one of the characters is... I think he's, they call him a bushman. I don't know if he's like a pygmy. He's really short. That's all I know. And his name is spelled with an exclamation point at the front. So that must be sort of his native tongue. I don't know how much Ted Williams knows about African cultures because I don't know very much about African cultures. But there is a lot of imagery and they sort of talk about all of the old gods and things that he knows this one character and there's all these dream sequences and the significance of these dream sequence and tad williams does that in his books and i feel like it's a super common trope and i just really don't like it i just get really bored when people start dreaming like how often does anyone dream something and they just it's just absolutely wacky and they you know we don't take that stuff seriously I mean I don't think anyone should take it seriously But most people are just like whatever that was a weird dream Whereas like why am I supposed to feel like I guess if we're sticking implants into our head to get online We should be having significant dreams that are going to tell us about the future But that was something I didn't like There's also this big giant story about a soldier from World War I Who's sort of escaping from the trenches and he's running away and that's something that's really confusing and I finished the book and I still don't know really what that's all about I mean I have some ideas but I think that could have been a little bit more clear it's obviously related to this world related to this uh, fantasy world that he's, or this internet world that he's created but it's not clear at all and you get some vibes when you're reading it but I'm sure that gets parsed out more in the sequels why should you read this book? Well, if you like Tad Williams, which I don't know if any of my listeners except my father have read a Tad Williams book, I'll have to see if anyone shouts out to me and says, I have read all of his books five times. If you like Tad Williams, I would definitely read this. If you like sci fi and you're interested in things that make you think because of what it was, when it was written, and what is happening now, I think it's fascinating to read and I do think that the story is really well told. I think Ted Williams is a good writer and you shouldn't read it if you really, really just cannot stand dream sequences and you don't like sci-fi or fantasy, but that I don't know why you'd be listening to the show if you really despised it that much. Overall thoughts, I did really like the book. I'm interested to see how the story goes. One of the common things I found when reading about this series. Um, was that it takes a long time to get going, which I didn't really feel that way. But maybe it's maybe it's like part of my dumb brain that I don't realize that I should be bored and I'm not. But that was a common thing I found when reading reviews. And I remember back a while back, long time ago, in a galaxy far, far away, when I was considering getting the series back when I was still in high school, A lot of people said it's a slow it's a slow story but it's really good if you make your way through it but we'll see how it goes for the next three books i don't think the books get any shorter the first book was about let's see about 800 pages so it took me a couple weeks to read i definitely recommend it if you do like sci-fi and i'm looking forward to reading the rest of the series So, some of the things coming up on the show, Dune just came out, the movie, not the book. The book came out in 1967, I think. You can go check my previous podcast that I did with Nick Dabbs to to tell me if I'm wrong. Uh, One of the things I've been seeing a lot, and when, uh, when I went to the theater to see it with Natalie, some lady there said that this is our generation, Star Wars, and I wanted to cry because, not that I'm like a huge, massive Dune fan, but... It just shows how people don't even know what's going on. They don't know what anything comes from. And this came out 10 years before Star Wars. But I guess it's part of my job to enlighten the masses. But the goal is to do a ruckus review to get Nick Dabbs and John Granholm back here to review the movie. Now, Nick has read the book, but John hasn't. So I'm interested to have someone on the show Who's seen, who's seen the movie but has not read the book, I feel like it'll be an interesting perspective because it definitely is a movie slash book that requires a lot of knowledge to kind of understand what's going on. Maybe I should say context instead of knowledge. And you don't get a lot of that context in the movie because you don't have a glossary with you while you're watching it. They, they do a good job. We'll talk about it. I just finished the Ghost of Tsushima game for PlayStation 4 a year late two years late no a year late i would also like to do some more medical shows of course now of course if you have any questions you can email me at maximumpodcast@gmail.com. at gmail.com and if you have any requests or specific episodes that you need me to do you can also ask me to do those and i will promptly tell you if that is within my power If you listen to me on iTunes, uh, consider leaving me a review if you haven't already. My income will be greatly supplemented the more reviews that I get. Just kidding. I don't make any money off this podcast, but maybe I should convince people that I make all of my money off of this and the only reason why I'm doing medicine is because I enjoy it. No, that's not true. I need to make a living somehow. I don't think this is going to cut it. All right. Well, thanks for listening.